Near the plaza was a little cafe called La Marasul, next to a movie house. I sat there in the afternoons and drank beer. I used to sit there half asleep with the beer and the darkness. Only that music from the movie next door kept jarring me awake. And then I saw her coming out of the sun. And I knew why Wit didn't care about that 40 grand. You think you're such a hot potato as a claims manager, such a wolf on a phony claim. Maybe I are. It was perfect. Except it wasn't because you made one mistake. Just one little mistake. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff. Yeah, but the police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, why do you accuse this? It's time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. Now, why did you shoot Miles? I didn't mean to at first. Really, I didn't. Oh, I can't look at you and tell you this. How'd you get mixed up with these cookies? What's the connection? He's okay. He tells me about you. Well, if he tells you I know where Helm is, he's nuts. He just picked you up to do his dirty work. He's after some jewelry. He thinks I've got it. Why don't you ask him about Velma? I gave you some dough to find her. Well, keep your shirt on. What do you got? I haven't got it, you nitwit. Don't, please. Where'd you go with him? My arm, my arm. I asked you a question. Where? I only saw him on the street. On the street! He grabbed me over the gaiety. Oh, the gaiety, the gaiety. Oh, you pig. You lying pig. How could you arrest me here? This is my country. This is where you're gonna die. That wasn't no mix, Marcus. I was just to turn you around. I don't wanna shoot you in the back. Unless you rather try to run for it. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the we say Holmes Movies Podcast? I, I don't know. Is this a Holmes Movies recommendation? What is this? <laughs> I guess it's a Holmes Movies special. Yes, welcome to another episode of Holmes, another Holmes Movies special, where we are going to be talking about film noir. Sorry, let me say that again. Film noir, which uh, it's special because it's November. In other words, noir-vember, where people who are fans of cinema watch the film films of the film noir genre. I am joined. Or is it? Is it a genre though? Mm. Um, Ooh, debatable controversy. Big, big, big question. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, it's November. Do you miss Scary Movie Month, or are you excited for this era of sultry, uh, moody black and white films with femme fatale and tough guys and chumps and trench coats and rain and shadows and that sort of thing <laughs> and cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, because it's yeah, because it's yeah. So, yeah how, many, how many times are we going to mention smoking on this episode? I wish we could smoke on this episode, but then you know that would be bad. Yeah. Um, also, by the end of it, we probably end up sounding like Michael Wincott. Um, listen, well, oh, my... oh, or uh, Ray Winston. <laughs> Let me tell you about film noir. <laughs> the old Bill and the gangsters. Um, speaking of neo noir, uh, and I don't know if this applies really, but I did watch uh, Sexy Beast the other day, which. That's a good know, film. Has has noir like elements to it. Yeah, it is a bit of a noir film, but it's also it's a, it's a, a heist movie. Let's be honest. It's a heist it's a, film. It's a British heist film. It's it's not a film noir. Yeah, um, but I, I am uh, looking but, forward. I am looking forward to watching some film noir films. I actually 
don't have that many here apart from that's funny because i've got loads here yeah i know so i'm sort of getting through the ones because <laughs> you have all of them over there because it's your favorite genre i mean the thing about film noir is i really it's i not do a genre yes i do like film noir films <laughs> but i feel like i'm not like the biggest expert on them as much as you are i think you're sort of more on the sort of you're like the you're like the you know the you know those like civil war lectures that you listen to, like who sound like they know it alls, that they're know it alls, and they know everything about the civil war. That's kind of how you how mean I the feel. kind of lectures that I give through the Du Bois Center. Yeah, but you the same thing, with, <laughs> the same thing with film noir movies. But no, having said that, I, well, so I, I'd be happy to I'd be happy to share with you uh, some of my um, some of my film noir insights as as shallow as they probably are yeah um i do have the, one, the ones i do have here sorry to interrupt the ones i do have here that i'm going to be getting onto at some point when i'm done watching fred astaire and ginger rogers movies uh, those all, are not film noirs <laughs> those are not film noirs but they do make me feel good and last week was quite <laughs> let's not talk about last week let's last look. week was in last week was in the past yes and although you know the past is a big theme of film noir it but is. um i have a uh, few films I have here. I have Scarlet Street by Fritz Ooh, Lang. With uh, I've not seen that. It has Edward G. Robertson, Joan Bennett, Bang. and, and uh, Dan Diarrhea or Daria, whatever his name Durie. is. Durie. Diarrhea. <laughs> I have Gilda, the Rita Hayworth Ooh, film. Oh, I have that too. That's a great movie. I haven't seen it. These are all films I haven't seen. I have Killer's Kiss, which is one of Stanley Kubrick's earliest films. I've never even heard of that movie. I have Secret Ceremony with Elizabeth Taylor, Mia Farrow, and one of the biggest actors of film noir, Robert Mitchum. And it's directed by what? Joseph Losey. Or what is that film? I haven't heard of that either. And I also have this box set from the BFI, which is basically Night in the City, but with three other Otto Preminger films. So the, there's, what are the other ones? Uh, Fallen Angel, Whirlpool, and Where the Sidewalk Ends. Those are all. I right. haven't seen. I've only seen the the naked. Uh, uh, sorry, Night in the City. Um, can you um, bring those uh, to me when I eventually make it to Denmark, please? No. <laughs> yes. I'm no, to bring them to me, as in we can watch them together. Sorry, I, I should have rephrased that. <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah, I know what you meant. I was just joking. I was doing been watching the simpsons uh yes well who hasn't um yeah, so those are the ones i have i do have i think there's like another one of those film noir movies that marilyn monroe is in i think that's in part of a box set that i have of marilyn monroe films so i've got a few you mean don't to bother to knock or niagara yeah or don't number. bother to knock and niagara yes yeah because obviously niagara is a rare example of that thing which is a film noir made in color uh which is that which they do exist but should we should we um should we get into what is film noir um what if you know so we mentioned some we were joking around earlier with like stereotypes but what for you are some of the like key elements of film noir murder murder blackmail mm. money something money's money. always involved in some way sin yes Greed. um femme fatale yeah a dangerous lady mm. uh and often cities that are very often set in places like LA or cities that aren't really like you, they they never really specified where they're at basically like asphalt jungle or the big heat or something like that. Right, right, yeah, and I I mean if that makes I'm sense. I'm with you. I'm I'm completely with you um, on some of those things. I've got written down here. Um, obviously, black and white 
cinematography but as i mentioned they do come in color but mm-hmm. mostly film noir is like a black a mood that's created using black and white um cinematography one of the like filmmaking techniques is uh, deep staging like quite yes. often that as uh, a big feature of film noir films so that's like quite a, de- a, a, a depth of field so it's not everything's happening in the foreground um and so like people like orson wells and john ford actually kind of paved the way for that uh, with films of the late 30s and obviously like Citizen Kane, which is incredibly influential. Um, is that deep focus cinematography? Well, less deep focus, but more like a long, like, so you've got stuff happening in the fork. Think of that scene in um, The Big Combo, where the doors of the hangar open and then you've got the guy coming in from the back. Like, you've got a long uh, right, okay. set kind of, it, but it's still theatrical. It's still theatrical and still claustrophobic. And that's quite often the framing in film law is quite claustrophobic. Um, There's a bit of the that camera. In the- there's a bit of that in the John Renoir film Rules of the Game in some scenes. Right. Yeah. And that, and then that's and actually I want to talk a little bit about the European influence. Um you've got your irregular camera angles, uh the lighting. But yeah, and then basically like all this stuff about like sin and um you know greed and and jealousy and um passion, you know, sexual passion, uh infidelity, um, you know, all these these femme fatales who want the world and who are gonna, you know, break all these men to get it, and all these chumps who just want a good time and a bit of money and end up getting sucked into these like terrible plots. Um it's interesting that you um mentioned cities. Um because I compiled a list recently. I was trying to think of noir films that have the word city in them or that talk about urban environments. And there are hundreds. <laughs> Let me just read you a few. The Naked City, While the City Sleeps, Panic in the Streets, Cry of the City, The Asphalt Jungle, The Dark Corner, Side Street, The House on 92nd Street, Nightmare Alley, The Street with No Name, Dark City, Where the Sidewalk Ends, The Sleeping City, The Captive City, The City That Never Sleeps, The Human Jungle. Um, there's a line in The Naked City, which is two people from outside of New York who say, we don't like this place, this fine city. Yeah, it sounds a bit like Morgan Freeman and David Fincher's Seven. He like, lives in a nameless city, but he doesn't like it because of the sort of it's so crime-ridden and dirty and it rains all the time. So he always wants to kind of like, he wants to get away from it and go to the country. Right. And then you think about Blade Runner. Yes. So maybe, maybe Blade Runner is the last great film noir. Um, and you think about... Um, you think about Batman, and anything about politics. Yes, you know. Well, yeah, well, but we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk, talk about politics. About politics. <laughs> this is not a political show. <laughs> um, but can I just talk to you a bit about the femme fatale thing? Because I think we have to kind of cover that. Um, this is a quite. This is sort of problematic, but it's also interesting because I think that while being objects of kind of a misogynistic view of women, these characters are quite often strong. Yes. Like they're strong female characters in their own right, you know, and they prey on weak men. Like you think about the, think about Claire Trevor in uh, Murder My Sweet. I mean, she's married to an old, doddery, weak, tiny man who's just got a lot of money, which mm-hmm. she wants. And she preys on him in the same way that she preys on Philip Marlowe, played by um, uh, Dick Powell. And uh, he wants, you know, sex and a good time although he also manages to outwit her using his uh his um his brains um which so, he still um, has after heavy drinking strangely right enough. somehow she somehow and having been like conked on the head a million times um but they they quite often he get the better of the protagonist as well i mean when you think about robert mitchum in out of the past and the brilliant jane greer or even burt lancaster in the killers 
Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting for me because um, the, 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 I think it's um, Mark Cousins or someone made the point that quite often the women are lit from behind. So they're literally blinding the men. Um, but it's also interesting to me, this response to um, women by the culture, um, because what happens is, that, you know, most of these films that we're going to talk about are made in and around the Second World War. And what happened in the war was a lot of women went to work. A lot of women went to work, not just in factories, but in offices and in shops and in places where men had been previously working who are now working for the armed forces. So is this a response to the idea of a strong woman? And, is it, and I do think it's interesting that the, the strength and the femininity of these women is kind of defined by male fantasy like they're loose they're they're they they smoke they drink they dress uh She's often my quite kind of lady yeah say, say quite often dress in like a suggestive way and so um you know so i i think ultimately you know you can't really say that film noir is a feminist um movement at all or a feminist um style but it certainly for a lot of actors a lot of actresses would have been a more interesting part to play i mean it, they also get some heavy hitters, let's be honest. I mean, Rita Hayworth, um, Barbara Stanwyck, you know, Claire Trevor. These aren't nobodies <laughs> doing no, these no, no. little crime movies. They, they, they want, you know, they're having a good time with it, I think. So, um, so you know, it's, um, I think it's, it's sort of a, a, a point that's worth digging into. And it's just, I think just saying, oh, the stereotype of the femme fatale um, you know, I think there's lots to be um, lots to be unpacked there, and I'm sure there are like thousands of dissertations yeah. out there. But um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, those are some of the um, those are some of the uh, themes, I guess, of film noir. Uh, what what would you say were some of the influences? This is not a quiz. Uh, German expressionism is one of them because a lot bingo. of what. I just said it wasn't a quiz, and then I made a bingo noise. Oh, right. I thought you said no, but no, no, because <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no, you're I right, you're completely right. Yeah, the rise of uh, Nazism. Yeah, a lot of German directors who didn't want to be, you know, in that country at that time, they did come over to America, and so and they took, and a lot of them, like Fritz Lang, who obviously had a very sort of German expressionist style, he brought that with him over to mm -hmm. America, and I guess america kind of took that and just sort of went in their own sort of way and of course we've seen that in the universal monster movies and they did take that a little bit with the set design for some like some films that they've made fritz lang had such an interesting departure from germany because his wife tia von harbu who wrote who co-wrote metropolis with him she was a nazi and she decided to stay behind and and goebbels the Goebbels had wanted Fritz Lang to make movies for the Nazis. And he was like, no, <laughs> and, uh, and left. Um, other directors who left uh, were Billy Wilder. He left, uh, he was Austrian and Jewish, and he left in 1933. Uh, Otto Preminger, Robert Sjordmark. Um, Didn't Edward Dimitrik he leave? Or was it, no, he was... I don't think Edward Dimitrik was American. Huh. Oh, okay. We'll look that one up. But Edward, Edward G. Ulmer... Um, and then you have other people who left before the war, like um, Jacques Tourneur, who left France when he was a kid, and Michael Curtiz, who actually emigrated from Hungary in the in the nineteen twenties. Um, but yeah, so I mean, G European cinema has a huge influence. I also think some of these, it, you know, you mentioned Renoir earlier. Um, I, I think his uh, uh, his La Bête Humaine um, with um, 
with Jean Gabin and um, what's her name from Cat People, Simone Simon Simon. Um, that's I have basically. That. I have a, that on DVD, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh well, put it in your noir pile because it's basically a film noir. It yeah. has all the things we just mentioned, uh, including like the femme fatale and the guy who gets lured into a plot. You know, would you say um, Lay Diabolique is a film noir? I think so, but that's later. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about influences. Okay. I'm thinking about films that would have had an influence, and I think that that certainly did. I think Pepe Lamoco uh, is a, is a very um, uh, Julien de Vivier's Pepe, Pepe Lamoco is a really important film uh, mm. in creating the style. If you look at the Third Man, I mean, the, the, so much of the the look of the Third Man comes from Pepe Lamoco with the, also with Jean Gabin, and then um, I guess the really big like noir film from Europe before it becomes a thing in America I'd say is M which by Fritz Lang yeah that's a real that's a really good movie with a very uh one of the best screen villains of all time played by Peter Lorre who brings a certain sense of sympathy for the character but also a lot of fear and Peter Lorre was also one of those actors who appeared quite a few in some of those movies like for instance the Maltese funk uh, no, I said that wrong. The Maltese Falcon. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the Maltese Funking, like you know, that remake. Um, yeah, an eighties yeah, I mean, remake. Peter, Peter Laurie, Peter Laurie really sets the standard in M for that kind yeah. of noir villain who you can't take your eyes off. I mean, think about um, Richard Widmark's Tommy Udo in in Kiss of Death. You know, these these mm. villains, you know, they're bad. You know, they're psychopaths. You know, they should be locked up or or, or gotten rid of or whatever. But you you find them. Um, you find them attractive in the same way you find the film femme fatale attractive. Um, Dan Diarrhea, uh, Dan Durier, uh, he, um, he also, he, he also, uh, played, you know, memorable, uh, kind of noir villains. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, I, I do still think, you know, noir happens in America. And the reason why it's called film noir isn't because we're being pretentious or the people who are making the movies are being pretentious is because what happened was in France, during um, the war, they weren't watching American films because they were occupied by the Germans. And so in 1945, 1946, 1947, they got this like avalanche of American movies that had been made during the war years. And, um, and they noticed these trends that we talked about. And, um, you know, according to Mark Cousins, about 350 films, uh, film noir were made between 1941 and 1959. So we assume about half of those maybe were made during the war or a third. Um, these are all in Europe? No, this is in America. And oh, so these right. come to Europe. Okay, They're sent to Europe for, for, for you know, um, you know, they, they, they're, and they're identified by European audiences because people in America have been watching these coming out you know, over a course of the the five years that France are under occupation, but then the French see them all at once. And so they're able to identify these trends, these styles that are going on. And so this gets actually um, codified into a book um, uh, by Raymond de Borde and Etienne Chaumetan uh, called A Panorama of American Film Noir, which was uh, written in 1953. So it, it took less than 10 years for them to like identify a genre that or a style because i don't think it's a genre uh, that um that kind of um you know defined a certain type of american crime movie shall we say or an american movie of uh, american melodrama <clears throat> yeah like, uh, if you're going to use the genres because i also think there are there are westerns that are film noir 
One of them is uh, Blood on the Moon. Another one is uh, Pursued, both of which star Robert Mitchum. Um, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, is that one? I, you, you could argue it, I think, uh, in terms of certainly the mood of the film. Um, and um, and I think even the trajectory of, of uh, the John Wayne character, and that is very noir feeling. And in Liberty Valance, you've got a great noir villain. There's no femme fatale in, uh, in there, but, you know. No, but you do have a very feisty Vera Miles. Right. And she's always feisty. We love Vera Miles. Um, so, uh, but it, and then, the, and then I think it's interesting, these European directors, because they do have a kind of a double uh, experience. I nearly said double consciousness, which is actually a, a term coined by W.E.B. Du Bois, who I have to mention every episode because I <laughs> work at the Du Bois Center. But uh, <clears throat> what, um, it's actually what uh, uh, the critic uh, Thomas El Salah, El Sasser, sorry, excuse me, very difficult to pronounce. El Salah, <laughs> El Salah, El Salah, uh, Thomas El Sasser calls uh, double estrangement. So he's basically saying these directors aren't at home in Europe, so they left mm-hmm. and they get to America where they also don't feel at home. And they're very attracted to a lot of the things about America, but they're also repelled by America's love of money and love of consumerism and and like sort of superficial culture that's all about consumption and um greed and you know all that so uh they have this um, which they certainly aren't now (laughs) yeah right it's good thing that's changed (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway (laughs) so uh so the um so so that's i just think that's an interesting element but you know you've got a lot of um you got a lot of guys uh, in America who are just making these, uh, making these movies, and and um, uh, and you've got at the same time you've got these great cinematographers, uh, James Wong Howe and Nicholas Musaraka and uh, John Alton, who are shooting these um, incredible movies and writing important texts about how to use black and white cinema, and it's like the forties are a sort of pinnacle of black and white cinema because colors come in by this point, but sound has been mastered yes it has and sound and color is expensive but sound is you've got sound right so you think well i I know what i'll do if i don't want to make an expensive movie i'll make a cheap movie with good sound great cinematography in black and white with lesser known actors Mm. and you know and so and and i guess in the 30s the equivalent was the the gangster picture or the, the the monster movie or whatever but in the 40s i really think it's these crime films and it goes into the 50s um, because I think westerns are more complicated to make. I mean, you get a lot of B movies that are westerns, but you need horses and you need location and you need, um, I don't know, wranglers and yeah, costumes. And so you put a guy in a suit and put a gun in his pocket, and you can shoot a film noir movie in a set in like two days. Yeah, because you um, can fake a gun. You can't really fake a guy on a horse in a studio unless you like we're shooting it. Really well, yeah, yeah, we, we've camera. seen them. We've seen them try, um, but. Um, yeah, so I think I think noir would have been like crime pictures that are that fulfill our noir criteria would have been very tempting, and 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 there are exceptions. I mean, there are noir movies like The Naked City, which is almost more of a neo-realist film, I would say, but which shoot on location or The Third Man or whatever. But so often they're they're filmed on sets and they look better for it. I mean, in some ways because you can get this kind of like expressionist. Um, stuff going on. Like one of the first great film noir films for me, it comes out a year before The Maltese Falcon is Stranger on the Third Floor with our, you know, your friend and mine, Peter Lorre. That is um, a very, 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 very underrated film in a lot of ways. 
underrated, underseen, and fan fucking tastic. Um, and, and it an uses this incredible like lighting and cinematography and so on. And it has a very surreal dream sequence, which often becomes a little bit of a of a thing of a like a it, it's it's almost like it becomes part of film noir in some ways. You always have like people drinking too much and their mind wanders and they're thinking about so many different things. Drugs and, too. Drugs come in in these movies. Yeah. I think like my favorite sort of dream sequence is the one in Murder My Sweet when uh, he gets like injected quite a few times and, they sh- and he falls in he falls into a dark pool and you know darkness spills over. There was no bottom. <laughs> I was gonna make a reference, but never mind. What do you, a big Lebowski reference? Yeah, I was about to sort of save it, save it, save it for the end. Yes, I'll save it. Because we're gonna end. talk about we're gonna talk about films that have that are influenced by noir. Yes. Um, so do you wanna um, do you wanna throw out some of your favorite? Um, films noir yeah this is the great thing about letterbox d is that you can really kind of compile everything so it's all like i also have my letterboxd open is it letterbox d or letterbox what are we what are we saying can someone get in touch about this please so we don't sound like grandfathers (laughs) i got that new app called letterbox t what you say about the letterbox (laughs) that's a paddling um I love that. That's my favorite line. <laughs> I used to be with it, and then they changed what... No, we're not quoting The Simpsons. Get out. Get out of our heads, Abe Simpson. <laughs> what are some of your favorite film noir Okay, movies? so I mentioned Murder My Sweets, which is yeah. uh, really good. Great movie. One of my favorites of uh, all time. That's one of my favorites, too. One of my, It's also got one of my favorite performances in any film, and that's Dick Powell as as raymond chandler like anytime oh, I, I, no he plays um raymond chandler's creation no sorry uh, philip, uh, philip marlowe sorry 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 he's the best for me he's the best marlowe and i'll fight anyone who 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 cares to uh, disagree i also think mike mazurki as moose malloy in that film is amazing mm. like he's so menacing and so brilliant um yeah. as the sort of hulking psychopath um that is a film that everyone should watch mm. uh, my other favorite is the big heat which is a yes. Lang film that's a later movie, uh, so that comes out in '53, I think. And yes. but it has it is full to the brim of amazing moments and brilliant performances. It has Marlon Brando's sister in it. It also has um, Jocelyn Brando. That is. Uh, it has Lee Marvin as a great villain, and it has uh, Gloria Graham with one of her most memorable performances. Mm. And of course, Glenn Ford, who was great. Yeah, Glenn Ford was great. Um... Uh, one of my other favorites is from. I'm going to save another one because that's a later film and that's sort of neo noir, if one can call it that. Uh, my other favorite is The Lady from Shanghai, one of Orson yes. Welles' films. That is a that's brilliant. The brilliant whole of film. the whole of Mirror's sequence at the end of the movie is amazing. That is like great Orson Welles, like Orson Welles, like firing of firing on all cylinders. That's an amazing sequence. Yeah, I, I wish Orson Welles had just spent the entire forties and fifties in, instead of like moping about about not you know moping about not getting his um his funding for various things, just making film noirs because he makes some great noir movies, including Touch of Evil, which, which is also something we should put on our list of great film noirs. That that, um, that was also that was my next film I was going to talk about, Touch of Evil. Yeah, which is incredible. Um, and and also off its tits, like it's it's a batshit film in some ways um but it's it's so fun and it features uh janet lee in a motel mm-hmm. but not in the way you would normally think um she should not stay in motels <laughs> right exactly she has bad bad experiences yes. um uh another favorite is the killers the from 1946 with yep i i think i believe i may be wrong but was this burt lancaster's debut film 
was certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, it, he was he was breaking through at this point, um, yeah. along with a lot of these actors that were sort of, you know, um, rising to prominence yeah. who, who were in film lives like Robert Mitchum. Um, but yeah. Um, Speaking of Robert Mitchum. That's, really, that's a really, really good, yeah. really, really good film. Speaking of Ava Rob- Gardner. Uh, yeah, she's great. Speaking of Robert Mitchum, my other favorite is Out of the Past by Jack Tonneau. I feel like Out of the Past might be the greatest of all. Well, I mean, this is a very hotly contested title, of course, but Out of the Past is perhaps the best noir movie. Um, it's the granddaddy it is... of film noir films because it really sets it's the stage. So it's so good. It's yeah. so thrilling. It's so um, stylishly done. Kirk Douglas delivers a great early performance. Um, a late, great Kirk Douglas. Is, yeah, and is so perfect uh jane greer uh robert mitchum of course i mean that is that is like gold standard i think the other granddaddy if you're going to talk about granddaddies of film noir is uh, double indemnity yes that's also on my list as well and another film on my list that i really like which also has robert mitchum but he's not really the lead is uh crossfire yeah good film that um a, a, unusual in some ways because it is um it's more of a procedural yeah, it is a bit um, of a procedural movie. So, uh, but and it has sort of, you know, it's it's interesting in in that regard. Um, it's but, interesting. Um, it's interesting with that film because in in the film, the the person that's murdered is murdered because of being Jewish. But they, but one of the original ideas with that character was he was killed because he was gay. Do you think that yeah. would have made the film? Do you think they should have gone in that direction, or do you think that was a bit too much for the time? It probably was too much for the time, but yeah, I would agree. It would have been. Um, it it it's a film about prejudice, um, and the lecture at the end because there always is a lecture. Oh, what do we learn today? You know, it's Robert Young chewing on his pipe and being like, "My grandfather was killed because he was Irish," and it's like, you know, let's be honest, anti-Irishness is not the biggest <laughs> sin that American culture has ever created. It's a thing. Don't give me. Don't write to me, Irish people. But I'm just saying, um, you know. There are there are a lot of film film noirs about different kind of prejudices and things, but um, lamentably they they tend to be like I didn't like him because he he walks funny or you know whatever. He looks uh, they funny. One of the one of the really dark themes of American society that doesn't come up that much in film noir is um, racism and yeah, uh, or homophobia or whatever you know. So like serious serious issues like that. Um, you know, noir is unfortunately an incredibly white, uh, an incredibly white genre. Um, that's true. So you know, that is a bit of a, that's a bit of a sad feature. Although one of my favourite films that fits into this category is Odds Against Tomorrow, with Harry Belafonte and Robert Ryan and I Shelley Winters and uh, Ed Begley, and that has some great stuff about confronting racism, and it very much confronts racism head on, um, and. Um, you know, is 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 a is a really stunning film. Uh, can I give you some of my favourites? Yeah, sure. So, uh, the Blue Dahlia with Alan Ladd and Veronica Lake, one of their great pairings. That's also on my list. Um, written by, um, it was written by Raymond Chandler. Um, yeah. And I don't. I think he was. I might be wrong again, but was he unhappy with the film with the way it turned out because they changed? I can't it. remember. I I think he had a lot of trouble with. Um, I think he was difficult to work with. Let's just put it that way. He drank a lot. Um, 
and um and obviously drank a lot and was famously irascible i think um he de- no he had trouble with because he helped write double indemnity and he had a lot of problems with how billy wilder changed his script um interesting for that i think but you know you can ch- every you can google this people um uh laura is a great movie high ooh, sierra with oh uh, with- i loved laura that was one of my oh, you, I love think- it. You, you want to talk about laura for a second yeah i just think that film because i remember watching it because i didn't i knew of it i didn't really know anything about the plot i went in blind and i think there was like a moment in the movie where there's like a mo- like a reveal and it just completely like it's yeah, one don't of those, give it away don't I'm give not it, away. it away but there was one of those moments where i was just completely caught off guard and I was like, oh no, am I not going to like this movie? But it's still, I was like, oh, I really love it for that. Just that moment of like, just you think you know what it is and then boom, it throws something at you. And then it's just like, oh, it's fantastic. I really, I, I really like Laura. Just, it's so, it's so well directed as well. It's Otto Preminger, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and uh, and then I just mentioned uh, High Sierra, which is, uh, what I mean, we can talk about the Maltese Falcon as well, but I do think High Sierra sometimes gets forgotten about because it comes out the same year. And it's uh, directed by Raoul Walsh, and it's a a great film about a uh, an ex con getting drawn back into the world of crime. Uh, you know, mm. they, I thought I, I was out. They pulled me back in. Makes um, it with you. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my Albertino um, coming out. Yeah, hi, Dougie. Um, um, yeah, Bogart was a great. He was one of those, you know, pinnacle film noir actors um yeah of course i mean he's in he's in another one of the ones i think i would put forward as perhaps the greatest film noir um and that is in a lonely place which is directed by nicholas ray and uh co-stars uh gloria graham um which is um it is such a great film about loneliness um Mm. and about um mental health issues really um the, the, a lot of film noir is about people on the run uh criminals on the run usually they're gonna get to a bad uh uh they're gonna you know then it's not gonna be a happy ending and and i think the greatest example of that is gun crazy um which is um directed by joseph h lewis and stars peggy cummings um and um and john Dole. uh and that is a that is a real thrill ride if you haven't seen it i really recommend it um did we talk about the asphalt jungle uh, we did mention it before, but no, we haven't talked about it yet. That's also on but, my list as well. That is a really, really good film directed by John Houston. With another great uh, uh, noir um, stalwart, which is, uh, of course, uh, Sterling Hayden, the great, the irascible, uh, the frightening uh, Sterling Hayden um, as the hero. But you know, I say frightening just because I, I wouldn't want to be in a fight with him because he's fucking enormous. <laughs> um, but uh, the, obviously an early role for Marilyn Monroe, too. Um and I mean, so so that's another one. I uh, Sunset Boulevard, of course, we have to talk about Sunset Boulevard. I'm ready for my close-up, Mister Demille. Um, which is maybe the greatest film about Hollywood. Although I still think that is um, uh, definitely one of them. The Bad and the Beautiful is probably my favorite film about Hollywood by I Hollywood. I've seen that, but I really, really want to watch it. Fantastic film. Um, pick up on South Street um, is a Sam Fuller. I mean. It is so good. Uh, Richard Widmark plays a pickpocket who gets drawn into a Cold War spy story. Yes. Need I say more? And it's also, I think what we haven't really talked about it, but in some film noir movies, there's always a MacGuffin. Like everyone's out to get something that sort of drives the film. Like in the Maltese Falcon, of course, it's the Maltese Falcon. And in Kiss Me Deadly, it's the, the you know, it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. <laughs> um, you get that reference. Yeah. You're a nerd, <laughs> right? Um, in 
in uh, yeah, there, there is no MacGuffin in On Dangerous Ground, um, but that is one of the other great um, uh, noirs that I want to put forward, which stars Robert Ryan and Ida Lupino, um, and is directed by again Nicholas Ray. Um, really, really great film. Um, it also has uh, one of our absolute favorites in it in the form of ward bond um mm. and um i really really suggest tracking that one down i think you'd enjoy it enormously uh speaking of film noir that were made in color um another heist movie uh is uh violent saturday uh with uh, victor mature and I think you've um, recommended that to me on another episode of the podcast i haven't seen that yeah. but i really want to i think there's like i think there was like a blu-ray that eureka or one of those the, the companies had made one but i don't know if it's like available it might be available, but it's probably at some ridiculous price that someone's selling oh, it for. Keep your eye out for it. Um, yeah. Did we talk about Mildred Pierce already? No, we haven't talked about Mildred Pierce. That is a very well, that's a good that's, that's a, a good very good movie. film, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very good film, and um, I think it's very it's a, it's also it's based on a book, but the book is it's very different. I would say from the film because they, oh, really? they had to make a lot of few changes and it's also it's written by james is it written by james m kane all i know is it's directed by curtis let me look at the uh credits here do, 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 do. writers yes james m kane and someone called Ran, ranald mcdougall um yeah james m kane uh, james m kane helped write it i guess that's something we didn't talk about before is the influence of pulp fiction on uh this on this style of movie making um so like you've got your Dashiell Hammetts and your James N. Kane and your Raymond Chandler. I think Raymond Chandler's like the the more well known one. I think a lot of the other, I mean, like other, a lot of other writers, you, it's very hard to get a hold of their work. Annoyingly. Um. Yeah, but I mean, good these this kind of this kind of literature, I think, really was an influence. Um. And yeah, so these are just some of the films from the classic period, and um. Mm. And then I think there, there are sort of films that I would call noir adjacent, like Cat People, again by Jacques Tourneau, which is a horror movie. And, um, and The Third Man, which is set in Vienna and, you know, is, is a very different film in terms of style. But you can't really say it isn't noir because it feels very noiry. It has all the it, sort of elements of a film noir. It has the right. shadows, <laughs> the camera angles and, you know, the intrigue and the, you know, you know, dirty dealings happening under the surface of Warsaw in Vienna. So, yeah, I guess you could call it a film noir. I think so. If it looks like a noir and it sounds like a noir, you know. So do you want to talk about uh, film noirs after the classic period that are, you know, that would deserve some, uh, you yeah. know, we've talked about Blade Runner already. Yeah, um, I, like there were, yeah, there's a few that I, I mean, Chinatown is one of them. Of course, yeah. Yes, that's that's the one of, I think, like, I think in film schools they still teach that film because it's one of those movies with like a perfect script and they obviously it is a perfect script won an Oscar it was the only film to win an Oscar out of all the nominations that that film got well yeah I mean it's it is um it's the perfect it's the it's like a fugitive from the 40s in that it's like such a perfect evocation of that era of not just filmmaking but of history Mm. um I think another film I would um uh, certainly say is like a love letter to, to noir is uh, Alphaville um, That's the which is uh, Jean-Luc Godard's yeah. uh, 1965 kind of sci-fi film but just the, the costuming of, um, of, of of Eddie Constantine in that is is so noir I mean with the trench coat and the hat and everything. Mm. Um, another film that comes out uh, just a few years uh, later is uh, Le Samurai with uh, Alain Delon and um, which is a Melville film, I think. Um, 
And uh, it is, yes, it's Milo. Milo. You are right. And it it is very uh, obviously wearing its influence on its sleeve. Um, and of course, another film that we've talked about on Holmes Movies Recommends, The Long Goodbye. The Long Goodbye, which is spectacular. Yes. And um, everyone should watch. Uh, and then I'd say, uh, finally, the film that really tries to do what Chinatown did and does it mostly, but a little less well, is L.A. Confidential. Yeah, that's a film I wanted to talk about. I saw that again fairly recently. I um, I like it. I think it's really good. I think it. it I mean, I think it was it was made in a period where you could actually get away with showing 1950s Los Angeles without having to, you know, use a lot of green screen and build sets and stuff. And I think it was able to sell that really well. But I think with a lot of James Elroy's work, because they're so convoluted, there's so many things going on, there's so many characters, and, you know, I think they did, I think, you know, Brian Helgeland and Curtis Hansen, they did a very good job of condensing a very long book and, you know, into a, you know, into a two hour film. And, you know, they took all the good parts and made a very, you know, coherent and very easy to follow film, even though it's, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on and it's quite hard to follow because you have to like keep an eye on certain, keep your ear out and keep an eye on certain things. So yeah, I think it does. I think it's pretty good. I would say it's, you know, it's a fine film. I think, you know, it has great performances. Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, this was like their introduction into the world of, you know, Hollywood having, you know, made films in Australia and just coming over here. And I think the only thing that people knew of from Guy Pearce was Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, it's it's it is an interesting one. Do you think it would be better if it had been written and directed by Robert Town and uh, Roman Polanski in the nineteen seventies? Um, yeah, maybe because it feels a little bit. It starts to feel a bit like The Untouchables, doesn't it? It does have that kind. Of, I would have. Yeah. I mean, Brian De Palma. He also did one of James Elroy's books, The Black Dahlia, which is a good book but a very bad film. There's a lot of problems with that film, and. Um, yeah, I think he probably would have, I think if he had a little bit more creative freedom and maybe made it a little bit further before the, you know, the beginning, like before technology and flashiness kind of came into Hollywood films, I think that would have been, yeah, that would have worked out better. Yeah, I think I think it would have been interesting to see what LA Confidential would have been like in a different director's hands. But I'm not saying, but that's not saying Curtis Hansen didn't direct the film, you know, badly or anything like that. I think he did a good job with it. And so I think finally to, uh, uh, well, just quickly add a note for Sin City. That's a great pastiche of noir elements. Um, but I think well, I think we should finish up and just talk about the Coen brothers briefly because they uh, do have a couple of loving um, nods to film noir. I would say Barton Fink has got some noirish elements in it. And I Blood think Simple the- um, is one of them as well. Their first Blood film. Simple. Well, I think Blood Simple is a straight up film noir. I think Blood Simple is in the tradition of Edward G. Ilmer's uh, Detour. I mean, it's a classic- american violent tragedy mm. and um and it's filmed in in that you know with those sensibilities you know using less less well-known actors and and you know stripped back cinematography um it is i think it's again another one of those fugitives from the classic noir era and then i think the big lebowski carries so many of the film noir elements that we talked yeah. about it has a femme fatale it has an old um uh, crippled uh, um, a man who she preys on. It has a chump uh, protagonist uh, who sometimes manage, somehow manages to outwit the bad guys. It has you know a convoluted plot. It has sex. It has drugs. It has alcohol. It's set in Los Angeles. It has you know all this stuff going on. It's got bowling. Um, <laughs> hmm? It's got bowling. 
it's got bone and so uh, it has it has this uh, and and it's funny so um you know it's uh, it it takes this genre it could be you know you could take all the laughs out of the big lebowski and you'd have a, a noir film yeah i think um, like anyway, i mean so, even um, i would say in like the 80s and the 90s there were a lot of neo noir films like you know there was like you know chinatown body heat blood simple like films like that and you know ones that were very sort of flashy but still had like noir elements to them and stuff i think like the latest that, that film you mentioned recently with denzel washington um, uh devil in a blue dress yeah yeah anyway look we've thrown about a million titles at people but this is just to, this is just to say we love this uh we love we love film noir uh, and will you uh will you put these together in uh in a, some kind of a list um I can the films that. we've mentioned. I've also got a list on Letterboxd called Noir and Noirish that people can look at, um, and uh, uh, and yeah, we can maybe like you know put some put some films in show notes. But mm-hmm. this has been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. No, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, it's been. I want to watch these movies again now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really want. Was hopefully the plan is that I'm going to try and travel to Denmark for Christmas, and so maybe when I come, uh, we can watch some together. But yeah. until then, you know enjoy november people yes exactly yeah watch some films you haven't actually seen before Which yeah and it was a, i think the thing about film noir that's quite good for people who are less um in or like less i wouldn't say interested in but like maybe less engaged by classic cinema is that they're really cool they're often quite short and they're fun yes. to watch you know they're engaging stories um they move along at a real pace so if watching, you know, uh, a two-hour, uh, you know, Jean Renoir film from the 30s isn't your thing, try an hour and a half of Fritz Lang and see how you get on. Mm-hmm. It also seems like with the noir genre, well, no, I'm going to call it noir films because it's not it's not a genre now, now that not we're talking about it. Um, yeah, I feel like it's one of those, you know, aspects of films I don't think is ever going to go away. There's always going to be... You know, you know, films like, you know, musicals and westerns, they've kind of come and go a little bit. But I feel like noir is something that's still very prevalent. You know, recently we had, you know, films like Under the Silver Lake, which is a love letter to Los Angeles and the noir genre. So I feel like it's still... Yeah, and uh, Motherless Brooklyn, too. Yeah, which is on Netflix now, Danish Netflix. So I'm going to give that a watch, which I haven't... Oh, yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy that. Yeah, so it's, right. it, I feel like the genre... I mean, not the genre, the 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 the... It will endure. You can call it a genre if you like. I'm just being obnoxious. <laughs> I feel like if I say it, like, it's a genre, ow, like a V-chip or something. <laughs> no, I'll just follow you down a dark alley and walk out alone. Um, anyway, like your style, on that cheerful dude. note, sh- shall we get out of here? Yeah, nah, let's get out of here. I gotta go uh, follow a, a lady with, with, a, with a bag. That's... That's... Not good. <laughs> I was trying to make like a like a film noir. Like. I don't. I don't. I, I. I was saying you should go and like uh, sit in an abandoned uh, cafe and smoke cigarettes and look out of the window and go. She left me on the train platform at four forty-five, and I've never been the same. So I don't know. Um, yeah, don't don't follow people. <laughs> yes, because that's go creepy. And moodily go and moodily sit somewhere with a hat. Yes, and you know, particularly a place if it's playing jazz in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. There's a well, bar here called the Annoying Trumpet. <laughs> have fun. Yeah, have fun, guys. Uh, yep, this has been uh, Holmes Movies Noir Special. Um, yep, you can follow us on Twitter. Send us an email at homesmoviespodcast.gmail.com. Holmes Movies Pod, that's our Twitter name. I'm also on the Instagram. Not really on Instagram at the moment because I'm trying to have a little bit of a social media detox. Good idea. <laughs> 
because uh, last week was a little bit overwhelming for obvious reasons. <laughs> Too much hashtags. <laughs> Ah, what do you need, kid? Is a bit more fresh air. Get out there and smoke some cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go home. But in case you're interested, your husband was murdered. Somebody's been dumping thousands of tons of water from the city's reservoirs, and we're supposed to be in the middle of a drought. He found out about it, and he was killed. I think it was only your husband you wanted to kill. Why don't you try to understand? George was supposed to take care of Arthur, but he lost his silly head and shot Broom. And what about me? We could have gone off together. Into the sunrise, you and me, or you and Grisby. What are you trying to do? Force a confession out of me. You've been holding out, and I want to know why. It'll be easier for you if you tell the truth. What difference does it make what I say? You've made up your mind I'm guilty. Are you? Don't tell me you have any doubts. Yes, Angel, I'm going to send you over. Chances are you'll get off with life. That means if you're a good girl, you'll be out in 20 years. I'll be waiting for you. But hang around. Always remember you. You do such wild and unpredictable things. Don't be silly. You're taking the fall. <laughs>